Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of the Middle Chat Podcast. My name is Melissa, and I'm coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm here with my trusty co-host, Maeve Kitty. Today's episode is long overdue. It is an interview that I did with my friend, Erico. He is a musician. He is a roadie. He is a photographer. He is a very, very good friend of mine, and he's all metal all day. I hope that you will enjoy this chat that we had. I do have to tell you that he is from Venezuela and he has kind of a strong accent. I can understand him. I hope you can too. But before we get started, as always, I want to thank you for your continued support. It is much appreciated. And with that, we are on to episode 26, my chat with my good friend, Erico. <laughs> All right. So I'm here with my friend, Erico, who we've been trying to do this for quite some time. He's a great friend of mine. He's my concert buddy. He's my metal brother. And uh, I've been trying to do this for, I don't even know how long have we been trying. I don't even know how long we've been trying. Uh, I would say like six, seven months already. Yeah. We've been (laughs) trying a really, really long time to be doing this, but finally I have you here and we're going to talk about Erico because he has a great story. He's roadied. He's a photographer. He's a guitarist. He's been in bands. He's done a little of this, a little of that. He's been everywhere. He's met everybody, right? Yeah, I'm kind of Jurassic guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, be- so before we get started, you are Venezuelan and Hawaiian, correct? Indeed. And you, you're you're American. You were born in America, but you grew up mostly in Venezuela. Yes. You have that accent. Yes. yes. So That's when did my big accents come from? So when did you come to back to the U.S.? Oh, 30 years ago, 1991, 90, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were in Venezuela, how was the metal scene? Well, the Venezuela- I just want to tell everybody that, that you are in your early 50s, so people have an idea of like... Well, actually, old. I'm 54, actually. He's 54. <laughs> All right. He's, he's younger than me, folks. But... <laughs> So how was the metal scene, uh, you know, in the 80s? The Venezuela scene has been really, really hard. Like, you know, we can compare, like, the Broken Rio in Brazil, you know? So many followers and people, you know, on the scene. So many big bands, good bands, you know? The problem with my country is simple, you know? is no support from the biggest companies, um, to give them the money to make a big festivals, you know, and they mm-hmm. have to be, you know, working hard to do festival by themselves out of the pocket, basically. But the scenes were really, really good. And back in the 80s, we got people like Iron Maiden in 1992 doing the Field of the Dark tour. We got Van Halen, we got Queen, we got Tell Me After, and we got a bunch of people down in Venezuela. And you have like a lot of good local bands, right? Oh, absolutely. We had, you know, and actually we had a good friend of mine from Venezuela, she lived in Boston. Her name is Adriana Solorzano. By the time, the 80s. I met her? Yeah, 80s and 90s. She was big with a big band called Geisha. And she was really famous at the time. It's an amazing band. And actually we had Arcangel. We got Resistencia. We got, I mean, a bunch of people, the really, really good musicians, you know. But like I said, the the... 
the hands are going to tie because there's no support for the big people who have the money to blend down to make major festivals, you know? You would like to um, see something like a Rock in Rio? Something like that, yes. That would be, uh, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, well, I mean, I had the opportunity to be there twice. a really, really great venue. We're uh, not there yet. We're not there in your no. story yet, man. <laughs> so, so you come to Boston, and, and you come to Boston because your mom lives here, right? My mom's here, yeah. Um, I mean, I came here first, you know, to go to go to Berkeley, but that was like a, a good, nice intent. I did like a couple couple season school over there, and then I never ended. And I wasn't. You, you never graduated from Berkeley? No, because no, I started, you know, playing the bars, go around, have a good time, you know, and take it seriously. Right. I, I decided to drop it, and after that. You know, I get married, I get Sebastian, and a few years later, I decided to go on the photography school. And that's why I got a bachelor in the photography school and in the photography school and, and you know, start doing my, my stuff as a photographer. And such a blessing <laughs> and gifted for that because I've been so many places and so many countries just doing that, you know, for the band. Right. So you're, you're a guitar player, right? Yes, indeed. And you played in bands in Boston? Couple bands and no big deals, you know. Actually, I played one time in the, well, no one time, a few times in Harvard Square and the, the sidewalk street. <laughs> you know, that been some money. That was yeah. funny, funny stuff, you know, because it's good memories, good friends. Did you play in bands in Venezuela as well? Yes, I, I just, actually, it's funny because I was playing drums in my early 13 to 15, couple bands. One of the bands called Arrugato. Um, that was like a trash and dead metal band. And basically, you know, we're playing very, very hardcore dead metal, you know, at the time. And funny because our accent in English is really, really bad, you know. Can you imagine Venezuelan guys, you know, singing in English? And it's really funny. <laughs> and after that, yeah, I decided to move on and I started playing the guitar. And we got a couple more bands, but no success on that one either, you know. Because we are mm -hmm. nails. We basically, you know, have a fun for girls, right. drinking and, and seeing the girls in the shows, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so when you come here to Boston, you got to tell the story about how you got into sort of the photography side of the metal world, because well, it's a great story. I was really lucky because I remember back the days, back the days, um, on Lampson Street, well, right now the House of Blues, it was at three different clubs, Axis, Avalon, and Mamakin, if you remember. Right. I do. Back in the days. And I was, you know, had a friendship with one of Joe Perry daughters. They're really cool, you know, Katie, Katie Perry, actually. And <laughs> Not that Katie Perry, the other Katie. Yeah. And she introduced me, you know, to the people, the management in Mamakin. And one day was there drinking some beer with her. So, so I should stop and tell everybody because people listen from all over the world. Mamakin was a bar on Lansdowne Street, which is a, a famous road here in Boston where there's a lot of clubs and stuff like that. Overlooks Fenway Park. And it was a bar that was owned by the rock band Aerosmith. Indeed, indeed. And then, you know, one of these weekends with them drinking and talking and suddenly the band show up out of the blue. They start playing, you know, for a few people in there. And it was really funny because she introduced her dad 
So, oh, nice to meet you, Mr. Perry. You know, it's so nervous to meet the guy. Yeah. It's a legend, you know what I mean? And after a few conversations with her and then back and forth, and she asked me if we can bring some portfolio. By the time, we don't have the digital portfolio, because back in the days, we don't have the kind of cell phones or computers, laptops. Right, you don't have a digital, you don't have a digital exactly. thing. You didn't go with the iPads and kind of stuff like that we have right now. Um, so I submit to her my old portfolio, and I guess she gave it to his father. And they say, okay, I like the pictures, I like the way he do it. And then we give an opportunity, you know, I get some connections with Live Nation, connection with the mass concert metal scene in Boston, and we'll see what's happening. And that's why when I started, you know, do the stuff and taking pictures everywhere. And you took pictures of the band, right? You took pictures I, of Aerosmith. Absolutely. And actually, I remember they had a Walk This Ways book signed that day. I mean, one of the, day, the days before Mama King was sold and destroyed and everything. And I did part of that, you know, the productions. Um, not the book, but the signing team and the Mama King. Um, you know, putting people outside taking the pictures, mm -hmm. um, making everything, working with the tables when the band's coming in to sign the books. Um, big people was there, big people like you know, Boston Glove, NBC, and then NNC, and big, big people taking pictures. Yeah, too. that's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. So that's how you get started in your, in your sort of metal photography career. So you also that is that that's obviously how you got your job. So he also is a photographer for the Boston Globe, which is the newspaper here in Boston. Yeah, as a freelance, actually. And I am so lucky because what was a lucky in some way? Because I remember with the Boston Marathon bombing chasing after the marathon terrorist attack, I was the first photographer on the side when the guys were chasing in Watertown. Right. And I took a bunch of pictures from the SWAT team and the police chasing the guys and the shooting back and forth. I mean, that was a big deal too, you know. Your photograph was on was on the cover of the newspaper. Yes, indeed. Front, the front page of the Boston Globe. Yeah, one of them. It's the actually, Boston the, Boston Marathon bombing in 2013. Actually, the picture was the, the SWAT team guy over his truck pointing a rifle to a house. I mean, it's a pretty big deal about that picture, you know. It yeah. is a very big deal. It's that's awesome. Not the not the a terror attack, but the fact that you got the picture. So from there, how do you get into doing photography and roadieing and merch and all of that kind of stuff that you do? Well, remember, I, I came with you know a long, long, long uh, background of music, you know. Right. Since I was thirteen, I be into the heavy metal trash metal stuff. I remember the 80s when the big bands like Slayer, Nasty Savage, Sabotage, Exciter, big names um, back in the days, was, you know, people doesn't know, Bulldozer, Doro, Warlock, you know, that was emerged with the 80s and we started following them, you know what I mean, Destruction, and people, you know, by the time they sigh, Glenn Clinton, bunch of people from that time, and then we started following, you know, Basically, my route was with Sepultura and 84, Listen Arise, kind of stuff like that, you know what I mean? When I came over here to the country, I was came, you know, with a big, big knowledge about music. Chasing right, the, chasing big knowledge about metal. Yeah, chasing a dream to be a rock star or working with them. And it's funny because in 1999, I'm sorry, 1998, 
I had the opportunity to work with Ozzy. I mean, the whole line of Black Sabbath when the reunion to happen. Oh, and I get so lucky. And it's funny because for me, they was my heroes. My right. group. In my, in my little room back at home, I have posters everywhere, you know. Always see them, listen to them, videotaping and everything. And had the opportunity to meet Tommy Ayomi, Gibson Butler, uh, Billboard, and Aussie in person, talk to them. I worked together. It was a big deal. I was crying the first time when I saw them. In the same room, they said, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable, you know. Yeah. And for me, it's like a, a dream come true. And I believe in dreams. And people have to know if you believe in something, you have to chase in your dreams because they come true. Absolutely. What do you, so when you worked with them, what did you do there? Were you Rodian? Were you tech-in? Were you Actually, a photographer? What were you doing I there? Was, I was doing some pictures for the band. And also I was having the opportunity to help and tell me how me guitar tech. Cleaning the guitars, tuning the guitars, changing string and everything. That's a really wow. big deal, you know. And the guys are really humble. Come and say thank you after all and everything. It's unbelievable, you know. That's awesome. And so from there, you really got to talk a little bit about everybody that you have worked with and all the festivals that you've been to. Because you've been all over Europe. You've been to all the festivals. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, and then I had a look to work with Motorhead. Let me Phil Campbell, Mickey D, amazing people. I mean, uh, I'm so sad to remember Lemmy because I, I always remember he like a great guy and, you know, funny, very funny guy and the really black, you know, humor, but a great guy. And after that, a leader for Maiden, uh, Megadeth a few times, and actually I did with uh, Megadeth, uh, the World Need a Hero Tour, all tour we did, you know, King Diamond, The Snyder, I said, I mean, and so on. And actually after that, we have opportunity to go to Europe, I mean, Spain, Germany, I mean, working, um, Hellfest, um, Grassport in Belgium. I did Sofia, Bulgaria, Big Four. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty much, you know, gifted and blessing, I will say. We've been lucky to do the stuff. Basically, Testament, oh my God, Marching Head, Mick Fist, you know, Dark Funeral, Bell Peg, Incarnation, Hate. Yeah, you've been with everybody. Wow. <laughs> Basically, I mean, you know. So I, should, so I should tell everybody how we met. So everybody knows that I work at Whole Foods and you used to work at Whole Foods. I was working at Whole Foods and my friend Adrian came up to me and she said to me, hey, have you met that new guy in meat? And I said, no. And she said, he's got an Iron Maiden tattoo. So I like took a beeline over there to see you. <laughs> and, uh, and we got to talking and you were like, yeah, I was, um, I was with Iron Maiden in Paris and I was at that show, but you were working that show. Yes, indeed. That's and the then so we, so we became friends and you had all these pictures on your phone and it was just like unbelievable. The, the, the photographs that you had. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, well, you know, I, I use a pretty much badass equipment to take a pictures, very professional, you know. Um, the reason that I have in the phone because I downloaded my computer and then someone put it in my phone. People ask me what am I doing, I show the pictures, you know. And that's funny, the reaction of people. Say, oh, my God, oh, my God. I mean, you know, for me, it's a job and I really, really love it, enjoy it because I'm passionate, you know. 
Mm-hmm. As you know me, I'm very passionate and I love what I do. And I believe in metal. I believe in, and this is big time. That's why people get, oh my God, look at the pictures, this and that. But I mean, for me, at the end of the day, the, the more important thing is enjoy doing the real up to do, you know, music, right. be around them, work with them, give it my best and meet people and have a good time and help everybody can. So the pandemic has wreaked some havoc. Oh my God. Um, we had we had plans. You and I were supposed to be in Mexico, just getting back from Mexico, actually, uh, at a metal festival there that, that we were going to work. How now that things are starting to open up more, are you seeing, well, obviously we're going to more shows. You and I have been to a few shows already. We've got a show coming up. We've got some other stuff going on. Are you seeing things opening up in the business? And do you think that everything's going to be, they think this summer is going to be festival season's going to be back. What do you think? Well, I mean, in my experience with the pandemic, that was really sucked. Impact everybody. Um, for the other thing is, yes, they open little by little, step by step. And I hope by the summer, 22, will be all set, you know. I mean, some few stuff are going to go on with the vaccination thing, the, you know, face cover with the mask and this and that. But I, I, I guess, and I hope so, by the 22, we will be fine. Everything's going to be normal, back in normal. Like I said, little by little, step by step. Right. It's about, you know, I mean, it's really bad because we have virus from Scotland as a great band from the 80s. And they died to come into play in the state. And also, they were signing by Mexico Metal Fest, such that we can go together. I was, right. I was as a producer and the production management of the band, and I will give me, you know, take you with me under my wing. But for some reason, and the pandemic thing, and health reason, they decide to not do it until next year. Hopefully, by next year, we will be, you know, in the summer or maybe in the fall time uh, a festival. Yeah. So, of all the people that you worked with, who is your favorites? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I experienced um, big time with Rolling Stones, um, you know, Black Sabbath and Slayer and Judas. And my my best experience was working with Judas. They're really amazing. And the way they do the stuff, they're very systematic and metric, unbelievable. The timing and everything is perfect. I mean, the, the sounds and everything, everything is calculated. That's what that I love. With Rolling Stone, I have a couple things to say. One, they impact me a lot is, if you remember the faces years ago, yep. the Rodwood was the guitar player. And let me tell you something, I like Keith Richard, but for me, Ron Wood is much better guitar player than Keith Richard, you know, talking musically about... And, you know, as you know, Rolling Stone is owned by Mick Jagger and Keith Richard. And the sound check was in the fairway part. The sound check, I was on the front of the stage. And I noticed when Mr. Keith Richard giving a signal cue to the guy, you know, on the console to put him down, run with guitar. And basically, you can know his, his guitar. Even in the concert, when they was playing, it's barely you can hear you know, wrong with guitar. Really? It's kind of sad, you know what I mean? Because yeah, that totally sucks. I, I will I will say, you know, Ron Wood is much a better guitar player than 
them kill each other. Anyway, but this is business. Same thing with the Metallica, you know, Lal Ulrich on the band. And it's as a drummer, it's not good. It's my experience to see it so many times. Right. He's checking the concert. The guy is nonsense. He don't know how to play the drums. I mean, but everything is about money, I guess. It's right. Sad. It's sad. And sucks, you know what I mean? And the Slayer, well, for me, it's a big deal because Kerry King was my influence in my life. It's a great guy. He never talked too much. I met, you know, James Hennemann, Bruce in Peace. That's a great guy, too. Don't even talk too much. But Tony Araya is kind of uh, arrogant asshole. Dave Lombardo is a really, really cool guy, very accessible and approachable. Um, the other band, Sabbath, I mean, like I said, well, don't forget Dio, Ronnie James Dio. You know? Right. There was a gentleman. Oh, my God. I mean, I had so much thing to say about Dio with Heaven and Hell on his own band. And when he was with Woody Sarso, Vinia Peace, unbelievable person. Oh, my God. I will say it's the best. Yeah. And I know that you are quite fond of Lemmy and that you always had a good relationship with him as well. Yeah. Well, well Lemmy has so many things. You know, I got my back laminate stage signing by hand and he putting my name on it. I got a patch and a hat he using it. I got so many things he gave it to me. With Phil Campbell, he gave me, you know, few pigs and Mickey D, you know, give me a few drumstick signs and say, keep it up. Just, you know, it's like it's something from my heart. I mean, these people, they're really, really good. It's amazing. I mean, they look rough and, and badasses, but in the end, when you talk to them, you can see it's like a really great human beings. Right. Yeah. And I, I can say something about one band that I really like it before, but not anymore. It's Antrax. Because Ian Scott is an asshole. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 you know, the band is really good without him. And with him, the band sucks. The guy has some <laughs> problems, you know, the attitude problem, arrogant, and he thinks it's on the wall and everything, you know. Nothing, nothing to be a humble person, you know. Right. You should always be humble. You should always, you know. Yeah. When you go up, you always got to come back down. You know what I mean? It's, exactly. Especially yeah. When the fans buy the tickets and the T-shirts and pay the CDs on the LPs, you know, right? But to always know where you come from and where you're going, and the attitude is everything, you know. Especially in this kind of business, when people love you and you don't have a time to say hi, or so for two seconds say, "Oh, let me sign this for you," and then smile for a picture. You know what I mean? Right. And Ronnie James Dio was great about that because he always said, you know. You know, I may not remember this, but this is good. They're going to remember this meeting for the rest of their life. I may not remember them, but they're always going to remember meeting me. And, um, and that's and that's the that's the right attitude to have. He always let me say this. He always says before and after the show, no matter what, we had to go outside to say hi to the fans because we are everything for the fans. And that was the kind of guy. Definitely, definitely was. So this is kind of, as you know, Iron Maiden is my favorite. And this is sort of a Maiden-centric podcast. So can you talk about your experiences with Iron Maiden when you first started working with them and, you know, maybe some stories about them? Well, I mean, with Maiden, there was a different set of really, really good people, amazing people, high educated, and they're really, really humble. In my experience, you know, working with Adrian and Dave, or Dave, like they call Dave, or Nico, I mean, 
they're unbelievable. They really, really always try to help you out. They don't give in anything like it's a hard time. They always be there to help you. And any question, they're really open. And they're really fun guys, you know. I mean, they take it seriously, the thing they do. And like I said, they're very professional, very metric. I mean, super, super systematic, but unbelievable. And for them, the first thing is the, the people. And after the people, the fans, and the fans, the band. I mean, the last thing for them is a band. They do whatever they do because they love the people. They love to be on the stage. And they love the crew. That's the more important. Right. They do love their crew. Oh, they're really amazing. They take care of everybody. I mean, if the band eat laughter, everybody eats laughter. I mean, everybody's being equal, treating us equal. And that's a great deal, you know, because mega bands like this band, I don't make them. I mean, to have the whole paraphernalia, the plane, and the whole thing, and the huge crew behind, you can never imagine. It's, it's a machine, you know? Right. funny because they had two different shows. They had a, they call it cheaper show, where they put in a small stage, and they had a huge show. I mean, the expensive one, they put everything on it. And they really, I mean... It's, the organization is unbelievable. Can you tell, maybe you don't want to, do you want to tell your Paul Stanley story? <laughs> well, Paul Stanley for me is a great guy. Israel is another great guy. But Gene Simmons, no freaking way. Paul Stanley is like a diva, you know, it's like a prima donna. He always smiling and it's like, a, oh, you'll be my slave right now. Bring me a coffee. Do this, do that. I'll call somebody to comb my hair, this and that. You know, he's a really funny guy. I'm very, very human. But Gene Simon, I remember he said something. Well, I, I am like a prostitute. If you give me money, do whatever you want. And that's a really, really sad, you know, because first of all, the, he think is he deserves everything he owned, you know, and everything people can say it's Gene Simon, this and that. But I don't know. I mean, I don't really like the guy. I had the opportunity in Spain, it was in Barcelona, rock and rock, um, what's the Rockfest concert festival? And there was Sophie, his daughter, and Sharon, his wife. And he basically made us sign a waiver to say in the waiver, you don't go close to my daughter, talk to my wife, or take a picture, this and that. It's mm. kind of ridiculous, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, overprotected and bad. It's like it says, it is what it is. I think um, he has a god or something. It's sad. But I mean, the fun guy in the band, there will be, you know, Paul Stanley. That's really funny. You want to tell everybody what band you refuse to work with? Well, it's hard to say to refuse because you want to be enrolled on the stage. Well, you you told me, and maybe you don't want to tell the story, and it's okay if you don't, that you were in, you were asked, you were offered a job with a band and you turned them down because you don't like the band. Well, yes, <laughs> it is corn. But I don't I rather say nothing about it because I mean you have to keep it in mind. You have to breathe and leave whatever you like. If you don't really like it, you don't do it, you know what I mean? No matter what, how big is the money or whatever, or how big is gonna be the tour. Well, I'd rather say anything because it's not being professional, you know. That's right. That's yeah, right. I, I understand. Yeah, but I, I just keep that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, absolutely. So what do you want to do in the future? Like, are you going to maybe put a book together of your photographs? 
Well, I was thinking, I was thinking about you. You can help me out put a book together. We can do it together because you are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been really telling good. you, I've been telling you to put a like a coffee table book together. I think it would be really, really cool. But I know that there's a lot of like logistics behind that. You have to get like people to sign off on them and all that kind of stuff. So it is kind of yeah, it's, it's, well, of, it's we we might be able to sit together and talking about it. It's a good idea. I mean, do like a legacy, you know, a book or something. Yes, something. I mean, even if it's something that you did, you do and you only like give it to people as gifts or something, you know what I mean? A Christmas presents or something. But it's something for your son. So you have some kids and you have your son, Sebastian, who lives here in the U.S. I mean, I think that that would be something that would be really cool for him to have. Yeah, like a legacy or something after that. Well, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. So they say, oh, be proud of my father. He did this in life, you know. That'd be great, yeah, absolutely. But like I said, I need help, you know. I need some ideas. People like you are so smart. I'm really, really, you know. We'll see about that. <laughs> no, you are, you are. Do you ever miss not being, like, do you ever miss not being in a band? Do you ever, like, wish that you could go back to doing that again? Well, you know, I'm pretty, pretty thankful for everything I did in the past and until now. If you had to reborn again, I would like to be the same, you know. I mean, I, I, if you had the opportunity to be a rock star, I would be the funny one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to with everybody and yes. everybody and hug everybody and say I love everybody, you know what I mean? But I mean, I, I really want to an opportunity to get on the stage. Yeah, you ever you ever think about that? I mean, involved with a band here in Boston and doing something doing something even if it's just like something on the weekends at a, at a bar or whatever well the thing is you know i do have sebastian and his special needs as you know right he needs a lot a lot of you know um support and, and care i mean to be in the band it's a, it's a huge deal you know because time consuming and i do have my my partner and you know i had to work and i mean it, it, it's I have to say, right, right. the bucket list. But I would like to see you do something like, even if you just do some, some, you know, occasional things on a Saturday night, you know, at, a, you know, the Legion or something, you know what I mean? Just like something just to sort of. Will be awesome. I've never, because I've never seen you play. I mean, I've seen you, you know, in your office. He's got this great office that has like tons of memorabilia and everything. And we go in the office and drink beer and talk metal. His wife just rolls her eyes at us. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like, I mean, I've seen you sort of, you know, noodle on the guitar, but I've never actually seen you play guitar. Yeah, well, well, maybe one day, you know, plug in the guitar in the office and play some cover for you. But maybe one day, too, I might get together with somebody and start doing something. I mean, just for fun, going to some bar or whatever, you know. Have you written any music? Not really. No, you're not really a writer? No, not really. I'm more like a follower, you know. So you don't have any riffs? You don't have like a vault full of rips like Tony? No, no, no. You don't want to hear me. You start crying. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm so glad that we finally got a chance to do this. Finally. <laughs> I know. I know. And I hope that I hope that everybody enjoys this chat because this is my brother right here. You know, my pal, my concert buddy, my, my metal brother, my Iron Maiden brother. I love you, Mel. You know how. I love you too. And he loves good beer and good music. We have a great time together. We always have a lot of fun together. And we have a concert coming up. We're going to see Municipal Waste. Erica won, won tickets at oh, a yeah. show. Oh, yeah. I was so, a fan. We went to, um, we went to a show 
in um, we went to see your friend your friend Adriana's band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we went to this band in Brazil. It's a very, very famous band. It's a local bar over there. It's really, really nice. Like a biker bike. Um, biker, 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 biker bar, yeah. yeah. It's a great place in Revere Beach. It's really nice. And then she was there. And there's a contest out of the blue. And I said, well, you get the number. Said, yeah, you have to win it. I said, well, we got a ticket to see Municipal Waste. And there we go. Melissa, one more time again. There we go. Yeah, it's awesome. And I'm looking forward to that. And that's coming up on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, we got a bunch of other shows coming up later on in the year. And we're just... Donington. Yep. We're going to do our thing. Donington, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully so, we can do it together. It'll be awesome. All right. So I will let you go. And uh, <laughs> and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to edit this. I, I actually have another... I, I want you to come back on the show because I have another idea. Because um, don't give it away... But Erico has kind of a contrarian choice in his favorite Judas Priest album. We're not going to say what it is. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to stay tuned. Stay tuned for part two of that. But he has kind of a contrarian choice. And we're going to have him come on and talk about his favorite album, his favorite Judas Priest album. Oh, absolutely. That'd be fun. That would be fun. All I right, mean, lovey. It's album. Well, love you too, Mel. Thank you for the time. And, and I'll see you soon. Thank you. I'll be in touch. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.